The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
the call of Jesus is to be set apart for him. Now, this doesn't mean taking a day to fast or pray. It may mean that, but it means much more than that. The call of God is to sow your life, literally to sow your life into the great commission of Jesus Christ. It is to set apart yourself totally unto the Lord. You no longer live the normal American life. You are set apart for Jesus. And now everything that you say and do must be carefully examined in light of what Jesus has called you to do and to say and to be. See, we don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit if we're simply going to walk in our own power and our own strength and we're just going to do the best we can do. We can say, well, I did the best I could do and that's all I could do. No, I'm calling you to a place much higher and much different than the worldly church of our day. I've read accounts of what's happening in Mosul, what's happening in Iraq. In Mosul, just a few short years ago, there were 15,000 people. There were 15,000 Christians Today there are 40. The churches are burned. Thousands have been martyred. They face the reality, convert to Islam, pay the price, or die by the sword. And these Islamic caliphate men of Islam are willing to die for their cause. And needless to say, many Christians, many Christians have died for the cause of Jesus Christ. But we're in America. Are you willing to die for Jesus? Or should I ask the more difficult question? Are you willing to live for Jesus? Are you willing to be set apart from the world and its affairs, and its activities? Are you willing to be set apart from the entertainment of the world, from the lust of the world? Are you willing to be set apart from the drinking of the alcohol and smoking of the drugs of tobacco and pot and everything else? Are you willing to be set apart from adultery and fornication and pornography? Are you willing to be set apart from the wickedness of this world? Are you willing to live set apart for Jesus? That's what the call is. To be utterly set apart for our Lord Jesus. We say, Jesus, we love you. We sing these beautiful love songs in church. And then go live like the world and feast on the things of darkness. 
and people become very angry and defensive with me when I begin to identify the things of darkness and they say, how can that be, Pastor? You're crazy. Well, if you say that, it's because you have the spirit of the world in you and you haven't made that decision yet that you will be set apart for Jesus Christ. That's what I'm asking you to do, to make that choice, to be utterly, totally, and completely set apart from the world for Jesus. Now, in the Old Testament, there are many examples. I think of Noah, utterly set apart for God. He immediately went about using all of the resources he had and then some to build that gigantic ark to save his family and those who would walk with the Lord God in righteousness. And then the flood came and carried away everyone who was living a normal life in that culture. They died. They were drowned. Then I think of Abraham. He was called to leave Ur of the Chaldees, called to leave Haran, Mesopotamia, and go to the land of promise. He had to leave behind his very sophisticated city with running water, with all the luxuries in the house, with the wealth of his business. He walked away from that and lived in a tent. Is it any wonder he was a friend of God's? Is it any wonder God would come and speak with him? He was set apart for God. We come to Samuel. Oh, Samuel, I love the story of the of the way Samuel was birthed through the prayers of his mama, Hannah. What a wonderful story of of God choosing a man and that man being willing in spite of the wicked sons of Eli, in spite of Eli's hardness of heart. He was utterly set apart for God all of his life. His his two sons were not. They went the way of wickedness. They accepted bribes. They were not just. And so they caused Israel to say, give us a king. We want to be like the other nations. We want a king to go out before us to fight our battles. And so God directed Samuel to go and anoint Saul, a big strapping hunk of a guy, handsome, a warrior who could handle the the weapons of war. He was a mighty warrior, and he, he won so many battles for Israel. He did so many good things for God. But he had a fatal flaw. That fatal flaw begins to show up just as he's being called to be anointed king. They can't find him. They say, where is he? Has he come yet? And the Lord said he's hiding in the baggage. In other words, there was a self-consciousness in Saul's life where he was concerned about what people would think about him. He wanted to fit in. And he was now being asked to step forward and take the brunt 
of becoming the very king of Israel. He didn't know how to do that. He was very self-conscious. Some people say that was an attribute. No, it wasn't. It was a fatal flaw that now works itself out into his life. Now, he's given very specific instructions by Samuel from God. Samuel was the spokesman for God. The Philippine or the the Philistines assembled to fight against him. Saul was in Gilgal. The troops with him were quaking with fear because the army was so great that the Philistines were sending against them to kill the first king. He was to wait seven days, and Samuel said he would come. But as the seventh day came, and Samuel did not show up, Saul's men began to scatter. He only had about 300 men left. How could he fight a war with this great army, with their chariots and their horsemen and the soldiers? How could he possibly win against this great odd? So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offering. And now Saul steps out of the king role into the priest role. Jesus is the king priest, not Saul. He offers up the burnt offerings. And just as he finishes, Samuel arrives. And he goes out to greet him. And Samuel says, What have you done? Saul replied, When I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time, and the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, Oh, now... He's going to think about his situation, and he's going to do his best to accommodate the world. He's going to accommodate so that the people will think well of him. He felt compelled to offer that burnt offering. And Samuel says to him, You acted foolishly. You've not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. So we find Saul is not set apart for God. He's set apart for his own reputation. He's set apart for his own pleasure. He's set apart for what he thinks is best. Does, doesn't matter what God says. Now, can I speak it very straight to you? Some of you have been told very distinctly what you're to do to serve the Lord God of heaven. And you made some feeble attempts toward that. And when you discovered that to follow the Lord's command would mean that you would have to lose something. And you could not be the person in authority and power. When you began to discover that you would have to humble your heart before others. When you began to discover what it would cost you to follow what God called you to do. You fled. And then you said, 
you know what? I don't think that was God all along. I think I was brainwashed. I don't think God really wanted me to do that. So I'm not going to do it. And now you have sealed off the word of God that could come to you because you don't trust the word of God. You trust your own word. You trust your own survival. You trust your own position. I face this so many times. And each time it's been very difficult. And I've said, O oh Lord, I'm going to wait upon you. I'm not going to move forward. Right now, I would love to do a fundraising campaign. I'd love to ask you to bring in silver and gold. I'd love to ask you to donate large amounts of money, $50,000, so we could go to the FM dial. But I can't do it. You know why? I can't go ahead of what God has said. And God told me, wait on me. Wait on me. Wait upon the Lord. Oh, my. I see such advantages for being on the FM side of the dial. It's a much larger congregation. But what if you have... I'm in this place now. What if I have a congregation of 10 people and they are utterly sold out to Jesus? What if I have a congregation of 3,000 and they're not sold out to Jesus? Which would I prefer? Well, I'd prefer the smaller congregation and to be in the will of God and to do what he tells me to do because it's not about gathering thousands of people. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit coming to break the hearts of men, humble their hearts, and bring them into obedience to his word. So do I want to move forward rapidly with the work of revival? Yes, I've tried. I blew it. I'm waiting on God. Well, what if I have to wait until I die? What better way to die than to be directly in obedience to the last command that God gave you? And Saul blew it off. He said, God can't mean what he says. Look, the men are, are scattering. They're scared. I need to pull my men together. I need to get this army ready to fight these Philistines. And so I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to do what I know I, I need to do. And he's rebuked by Samuel. And he's lost his kingdom. Now he's going to continue now for 40 years leading Israel in battles, but he's going to end up in a desperate place at a witch's table. Ah, oh, my brother, my sister. Saul has not given over to Jesus. We find the next story of, of what Saul did. 
found in First Samuel 15. Samuel goes to Saul and he says, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. In other words, I come from the boss. My word is from the word of God. Now listen. This is from the Lord. Listen. The Lord says, I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Don't spare anything. Put it all to death. Well, he attacks the Amalekites. And he, with his army, destroys the people. But we find in the 15th chapter, verse 9, but Saul and his army spared Agag, that is the king, and the best of the sheep and the cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to completely destroy, but everything that was despised and weak, they destroyed. And the word of the Lord came to Samuel, I am grieved that I made Saul king because he's turned away from me, has not carried out my instructions. What does the Lord mean he's turned away from him? It means he has refused the conviction and the direction of Almighty God. Some of you have heard the word of God spoken to you and you have heard, give this. And you said, I can't be so foolish. He has said, go there. And you say, I have my own church. Why should I go there? I'm happy where I'm at. He says, separate yourself from the television. Don't go there anymore. Don't play those violent video games anymore. Separate yourself. And you say, come on, that's being legalistic. Why should I... Why should I separate myself from what I'm enjoying? After all, God wants me to enjoy life. Some of you are addicted to gourmet food. Some of you are addicted to traveling. Some of you are addicted to every pleasure of the club, the alcohol. You're, you're addicted to, to pornography or fornication. You're having an affair. You're shacked up with somebody you're not married to. But God, you know God is not pleased with you. But you're saying, oh, God will forgive me. I'm okay. You have not set yourself apart for God. You've not set yourself apart for Jesus Christ. You have a form of godliness, but no power. a form of godliness, a form of church, a form of of being a Christian, but no power. And the Lord is not pleased. Now, he's confronted. He says, Samuel says, although you were once small in your own eyes, Did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. 
And he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy these wicked people. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Oh, but I did obey the Lord, Saul says. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites. And I brought back Agag, their king. What? You destroyed the Amalekites, but you saved their king? Isn't he an Amalekite? What kind of word game are you playing here? And then he says, The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder of the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. And Samuel answers, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams. I ask, does the Lord delight in praise and worship music? Does he delight in church fellowship and prayer and preaching? No, not nearly as much as he wants us to simply obey his word to us and not blow it off and pretend he didn't speak. And some of you say, God never speaks to me. I've had people say, Pastor, why doesn't God talk to me? Because you've not obeyed him. You've walked away from what God told you to do. That's what happened to King Saul. God stopped talking to King Saul. Oh, he was still very religious. He still offered sacrifices. He still went and did war in the name of the Lord God of heaven and won many battles. But the Lord was not talking to him. Some of you are not hearing from God because you're so far away from him. He's told you what he wants you to do. He's told you go back to school or he's told you go do this or go do that. And you've said, impossible, I can't do it. Are you willing to set yourself apart for Jesus? One man, the Lord has told him to go back to school. You know what he said? Yes, I'll go back to school. It's impossible, but I'll do it. And now I'm waiting on you, Jesus, to open the way because he pays for what he orders. But there's this issue of waiting on the Lord, waiting for him to open the way. I'm waiting for the Lord on so many things. I'm waiting on the Lord for FM radio. I'm waiting on the Lord for revival. I'm waiting on the Lord for my personal needs. I'm waiting on the Lord for the money to pay for radio. We're still, this month, almost $2,000 short. I'm waiting on the Lord. He has to move and open the way or there is no possible way I can move forward. I'm okay with that. I will wait on the Lord until he speaks and I have a rhema word from him 
based and tested in the scriptures? I will wait on the Lord and then I will move forward as my brothers and sisters who gather together as church as we talk and share together. I've gotten in such trouble for just not testing the word of God with brothers and sisters in the prayer closet, but just saying, yes, I know this is what God wants me to do and I'm going to move forward no matter what anybody thinks. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying wait on the Lord. Test the spirits. Move forward as the Lord opens the way. Don't force. Wait on the Lord. But some of you, you're burning bridges. You're, pardon me, you're taking actions that are permanent. You're not waiting on the Lord. You're doing what you want to do. You're going your own way. And you're angry if anybody confronts you. Verse 23, this is Samuel fifteen twenty-three. For rebellion is like the sin of divination or witchcraft. And arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Now, watch what Saul does. I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. Notice why. I was afraid of the people, so I gave in to them. In other words, Saul was a people pleaser. He wanted people to think well of him. One of the great sins of my heart that I've had to deal with all through my pastoral ministry for years is this sin of pleasing people. I don't find any joy in making people angry by speaking a straight word. I don't find any joy in causing people to be upset with me. But I tell you what, I now find a great deal more pleasure in having God pleased with me. And it doesn't matter anymore if people are pleased. I have to come and speak the straight, unvarnished word of God. And I have to call you to step up to the plate and invest and sow your life into the gospel commission. We are called to be fishers of men. We are called to work for the kingdom of God, not in the church necessarily. Not, I mean, some of you are satisfied. Okay, I'll be an usher. I'll be a deacon. I'll be an elder. I'll even preach the gospel in the church. But you've totally forsaken the lost and the dying of our city. That's not what the gospel commission is. It's not what pleases the heart of God. I sat before the Lord this morning with weeping, confessing my utter inability to win the loss to Jesus. It has to be by the blood of Jesus. It has to be by the Spirit of God coming. The salvation of a sinner 
is done as a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit in their heart. But I have to be willing to be used to speak that straight, loving word from the Scripture and from the rhemas of God into the life of that person, and then they have a choice to make. Samuel had a choice to make, and he spoke an honest word to Saul, even though he could have been killed for speaking this to the king. And Saul had a choice. He could respond with humility. He would not do it. This was false repentance. I was afraid of the people, so I gave in to them. Now I beg you, forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. Do you understand? When you reject what the Holy Spirit speaks into your heart, you're in trouble with God. If you don't hear God speak to you, it's because you're too far away from him. You can't hear him because you don't spend those hours in prayer and supplication. You don't spend that time in the scriptures. You'd rather spend it on the television set. You'd rather spend it on the golf course. You'd rather spend it with the guys getting together to smoke the cigars and gamble. You'd rather do anything but spend the time in the word of God It's going to require time in the scriptures to get close to God. There's no shortcut. What is your life? If you you gain the whole world and you lose your soul, what have you gained? People constantly are, are dying. Their life is over. And then they face the record of how they have sought after the pleasure of their heart and after the pleasing of the people and and the being of the good guy, the party man. And so what? I've been with the big tough warriors as they lay dying on their bed. And some of them have died arrogantly. I don't care what God thinks. Oh, soon after he died, he cared what God thought because he found himself in in hell. Others have gone out whimpering like a child in their unconscious comaness, praying, asking for their mama. Mama, mama, mama. Big tough guy, 6'3". whimpering like a baby. We're not so tough when someone has to come wipe us. We're not so tough when we have to lay in that hospital bed when the heart attack has come or the stroke has hit us. We're not so tough then. While you yet can seek the Lord, it's time to be set apart for him to be set apart for Jesus and to let all of this stuff of the world go. What if your friends and your neighbors and your 
your workmates and your family? What if they all love you? But Jesus doesn't. Because you've rejected him and he's rejected you. You've lived life on your own terms. Eating, drinking, fornicating. Making money. Having luxury and leisure. And yet you're on your way to hell. What a what a horrible catastrophe. And this morning I was just crying out, Oh Lord, if you don't come and save us, who can be saved? Samuel turns to leave. And Saul reaches out with his hand. He's that strong man. He grabs a hold of the of the cloak, the robe, and it tears. And Samuel says to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one who is better than you. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. And now, listen to what Saul says again. I have sinned, but please Honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So even after all of this has happened, and now he's heard that God's judgment is upon him, he's saying to Samuel, Oh, Samuel, come back and worship with me so that everybody will know everything is okay between you and me and God. Let me be honored before the people. He went out and built a a monument to himself at Mount Carmel. This man was totally into himself, selfish, entitled, hard. He wanted life on his terms. So Samuel says, okay, I'll go back with you. But his reason for going back, we find in verse 32, it was not to go and worship with the elders so that Saul would be honored. He arrives and he says, Bring me Agag, king of the Amalekites. And Agag came to him confidently thinking, Surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, so will your mother be childless among women. And Saul put Agag to death before the Lord at Gilgal. That's Holy Spirit worship. Saul's worship was the worship of unfaithfulness. It was not the worship of a holy man or a holy woman. Samuel puts Agag to death. That is Holy Spirit worship. Saul is, Saul is out. God's not going to talk to him. He's going to be on his own. He's a mighty warrior. He has a mighty army, and God wants the army to win. But Samuel is telling him he's cut off from God. Now, we're in the New Covenant. And I want to say to you, the call of God 
I'm going to read it to you. Romans, the 12th chapter. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, that is, set apart for Jesus, pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Your spiritual act of worship is obeying the word of God as it comes to your heart. And if you blow off that word of God, you're lost. He's not going to continue to talk to you. You can still be very religious. You can still even tell people about Jesus. But you're in trouble with him. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world or this age, but be transformed. That word is metamorphous in the Greek. To appear as a new person with new habits and new worship and new service and a new person, a radical change through and through, complete change with both outward and inward change taking place. It is the renovation of your mind. Now, what I'm urging you to do today is to get on your face before God and say, Lord, is there anything you've told me to do that I have not done? Have I in any way played King Saul's part? Have you given me direction? And I've said, no, that can't be God. Have you told me what to do and where to go and how to do it and I haven't done it? Has your mind been metamorphosed? Has it been transformed? Or are you with one foot in the world enjoying all of its wickedness and one foot in the church and you ride that fence and you're concerned about your reputation, you're concerned about your advancement at work you're concerned about what other people are going to think you're concerned about what they'll think about the car you drive and the home you live in you're concerned about whether people will esteem you highly you're concerned about your reputation or have you laid all of those things aside and said, I care about what God thinks about me. I am set apart for Jesus. I care about his judgment. And I want to hear his voice clearly in my heart, in my mind, from the word, from the preaching of the, of the gospel. I want to hear the word of God. I want, to, I want to set myself apart as a decision. You see, Saul had a choice. Saul could have set himself apart for God and he would have been the king that we talk about instead of King David. But King Saul chose the witch's table at Endor because God wouldn't talk to him. There's only one way back to God and that's by repentance of confession. Honestly, Confessing to God everything that you've rejected and turned aside from. It's repenting of those evil ways and renouncing them. 
It is you choosing to be converted, changed with a sharp twist. That's what the word converted means, to change with a sharp twist away from the direction you're going. I know some of you listening today are good churchmen and churchwomen. You find your security in the Eucharist. Or you find your security in the rituals of man. But you have not obeyed the word of the Lord. You've played the political game. You've gone just far enough for people to respect you and call you a Christian. But you know the secret side of your heart and of your life. Are you clean with God? Now, some of you, you've been set apart from the world, and I praise God for you. You have set your heart on following after him. I praise God for you. Some of you are willing to do and say anything you are instructed to do and say, I praise God for you. You are set apart for Jesus. And you're paying a price for that. In this world, when we're set apart for Jesus, we're not going to be very popular. The world is not going to acclaim us. But Jesus will acclaim us. When Stephen was being stoned to death, the most glorious part of that whole story for me is that Jesus was standing up. Remember? He said, I see I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne of God. He was standing up and cheering for Stephen as he was stoned to death. What glory! So what is your choice today? Will you be set apart? Will you be set apart for Jesus? Will you not care what others say or what they think? Will you boldly proclaim, Jesus is my Lord? I follow Jesus. He is my Lord and my Savior. Come, join me, and let's follow after Jesus. Let's pray. O Lord, Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you've done for me and my brothers and sisters. Lord, I choose today to be utterly set apart for you, not for a day or an hour, but in every part of my heart and in every part of my outward life, in what I watch and what I don't watch, in where I go and where I don't go, in what I say and what I don't say, I choose to be utterly set apart for the kingdom of God, for the gospel commission. Lord Jesus, I know you are eager to pour out your Holy Spirit on men and women. I know you're eager for the word says in the 11th chapter of Luke, 
that the Father is more eager to give the Holy Spirit to him who asks than a father is willing to give good gifts to his children. Lord, I would give anything for my children. Eagerly and quickly, without judgment. So I'm asking now, Father, for the fullness of your Holy Spirit to be poured out in this listening audience. I'm asking you to heal the sick. I'm asking you to come in power and restore those who are blind, who are sick, who are maimed, who love you. Would you quicken their bodies by the power of your Holy Spirit? I ask for those who have heard your voice but have turned aside and will not obey you. Lord, I pray that you will go after them. Lord, I pray today for your people. Lord, I know we cannot be saved except by your grace. I know there's no works of the law that can earn us any standing before the throne of God. But I ask, O oh Jesus, would you come and make us righteous, washed, clean, spotless robes? Lord, would you come? Would you come in power? Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I want you to make an absolute commitment in your heart today, regardless of where you are spiritually, regardless of how guilty you feel or how closed off from God you feel. Will you make a decision right now to be totally set apart from the world for Jesus? And would you ask Jesus if he would set you apart? If he would bring you into the school of the Holy Spirit and begin to teach you that the, the mighty presence of Jesus could be formed in your life, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I come and I struggle with all of my might on this radio broadcast that you might be filled with the Holy Spirit and that you might be shaped in the image of Jesus Christ. Will you pray that? Will you get on your face before God? Will you write down on a piece of paper every area where you are resisting the word of God to your heart? And would you let the Holy Spirit search you and begin to do a new work in you? Don't be satisfied with the low life of this world's entertainment and achievement. Don't be satisfied with this low life of the devil's world. Come up to higher ground. Be set apart for Jesus. Be used by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the word of God to others regardless of what they think of you. This is not about pleasing people. This is about pleasing our Lord Jesus. Will you make that decision now? 
would love to hear from you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'm very grateful for those of you who are writing to me. See if I can find two letters came yesterday. One from Brother Boyd. Thank you. I always love reading your letters. You're always so encouraging. And you love Jesus. Thank you. And then a family in California wrote. They listen on the internet. The Jacobs. Thank you. For the gift of an offering to Jesus for radio. Would you help as well? Will you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195? You can also go to our webpage, and would you touch the donate button? Go to PayPal. Would you help us? And just an update, I talked with Brother Tom. Brother Tom's wife died three years ago. His daughter is moving back to this area. He's doing very well. He's established once more in his company. Thank you for praying for Tom. God bless you, my brothers and sisters. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Christ.